Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This evening and for the next few Wednesday nights, I want to revisit a series that I taught a number of years ago. And uh, I want to talk about generous living. And um, I'm not going back here because I was out of things to say. I'm going back here because I really felt compelled of the Lord several weeks ago, just praying about the new year and uh, what the Lord would have us to do, and and certainly to as a body and and to me as a pastor of this church. And so we're going to be talking about uh, giving, but don't let your mind run to your wallet and stop because that's not what we're exactly talking about, or at least altogether talking about. And um, I believe that, and certainly I think this church family could say, I don't ever say this with any measure of boast because there's nothing to boast about, but I don't teach on this subject enough. I can say that honestly. And, uh, but I believe in it and practice it. But uh, I want to talk to the, us this evening about just some different concepts because we don't just give of our sources, but we give of our time and we give of our effort and our energy and our talents and things of that nature. And so if you will just join in this evening, I'm going to begin in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. As we move forward, there's going to be a lot of scriptures I'm sharing tonight. And so I've asked them to provide on the media uh, screen some scriptures. And we're going to be reading from the New King James Version. And I'm simply doing that because this is a teaching session And I want you to be able to understand a little more uh, clearly. Uh, We don't really use thee and thou in our daily conversation. And uh, amen. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not being critical. But uh, my wife doesn't walk out in the mornings and say, what can I do for thee? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And so we want to make sure that we understand this. And so... And this is not taking us out of any bounds at all. I would not ever do that. But the book of Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, or with what measure you give, it shall be measured to you Again, amen. And so what we want to talk about this evening is our heart. Because that's where it begins, our heart. God bless you, and you may be seated. And thank you for this wonderful spirit of praise and worship. A couple of years ago, I had, um, many of you know, I had a gallstone attack, and I had wound up having surgery. And in the process of some of the tests, there was something that they thought may have been a little bit abnormal. 
in one of the tests concerning my heart. And so they ordered uh, some a battery of tests, and um, I had not had any issues with that at all. But the cardiologist thought maybe it's just best that we can rule some things out, make sure nothing is there. If it's there, we want to deal with it, but then we'll rule some things out. And so they said, we're going to schedule you for a stress test. Well, I've heard that term many times. And to be honest with you, I believe I take a stress test every waking day of my life. <laughs> Amen. Conversations that start out like this. I know you're busy. I know you have a plate full. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. If you, if you get quiet, I'm just going to come out there to you. I promise you. And so when I got there, I'm thinking stress tests as in treadmill. You know, I mean, we've prayed for a lot of families and been with a lot of people through that. And so I went, and I'm kind of a person that kind of gets, you know, planned in my head what's probably going to happen. And so I'm prepared for what's probably fixing to unfold. And when that probably doesn't happen, it throws me off a little bit. And so when I walked in, I found out that I wasn't having a stress test, as in a treadmill, but it was going to be a nuclear stress test, and some of you have done that. And uh, so I'm not trying to act like it's a bigger deal than it is, but it just threw me off for a minute and probably had my blood pressure up a little bit. And uh, so in, in essence, what it is is, is in, in just a moment of time, they reenact what would take place if you were to, you know, slowly ramp up whatever on a treadmill. And uh, within just seconds of receiving whatever it was that they gave me, sweat was dripping off my earlobes and off the end of my nose. And I would have been okay if the nurse had been okay. But when she kept saying, are you sure you're all right? Then I wasn't sure I was all right. But almost as quickly as that passed, it's funny now, but it was a long way from funny right then because I really thought I was having a heart attack. I'd never had one before, but I was thinking, this has to be close. And so in a moment, they let me go back and join my wife in the, in the waiting room. And um, in a few days, they sent the test results and everything was fine. That was a wonderful feeling. So I'll tell you what we will do is in a year, we'll have you come back and we'll just do this again. Not that again, but we'll do some other tests and we'll just make sure. I don't think anything is wrong, but we want to be safe than sorry. So I went back a year later and uh, everything was still good. And that was a good thing. And he said, you can continue to come back annually if you'd like. And so I was looking at him. I didn't really know how to answer that. He said, or as needed. I said, let's do option B. Let's just do that as needed. My whole point, I'm not trying to drag you down and talk about my miserable life. I'm just trying to tell you <laughs> that, that it was a good report to know nothing was wrong with my heart. So tonight we're going to have a heart test. And we all want to leave with a good report. Because this is all about our heart. It really is about our heart. Many people quote verse 1. And they say, judge not 
that you be not judged. And they want to do that so we can arrest a judgmental attitude. But there is a life-altering principle that follows verse 1, and that is found in verse 2. Because the scripture says, because with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And ever how you measure it out, guess what? That's how it's coming back home. That's a powerful principle, and it is a true principle. And so I want to really consider, especially in the area of judgment, I want to really consider, because if you have ever been judged, you would understand the impact of this scripture and that statement. Now, thankfully to this moment, I have never been in trouble with a law that brought me before a judge, but by virtue of being a pastor, I have been to court with a lot of people. And so I've stood in the courtroom with people that were under the scrutiny of our legislature. They were having to measure themselves against what our nation has set forth as the standard. I've been in the courtroom when someone was sentenced to the Department of Corrections for the rest of their natural life. It will take the air out of the room, I promise you. Judgment is a very serious thing. So judge not, lest you be judged. But, be, but to be careful, and I don't want to spend too much time here, but to be careful that we are considerate that ever how we judge, that's how it's coming home. The same vessel we use to deal it out, that's the vessel that is going to float back into the dock of our life. A companion scripture to our text is Luke 6 and 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Verse 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. And here's the same principle again. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Luke has this well-known verse that deals with our blessings. And that verse is, give and it will be given to you. And so I want to just really make a few things as clear as possible. I don't think we ever give to get. We don't give to receive. That would be an ill motive and God understands our heart. And so we don't want to hear about this blessing thing and treat it as though it's just a lottery system that if we give into this, that it comes back to us. And sadly, many, many pulpits in, uh, in our nation are filled with a prosperity message that is inaccurate. I do believe that you can't outgive God. Amen. Amen. But I don't believe that there's a $1,000 healing line and a $2,000 healing line and a $3,000 healing line. And so you can just go ahead and relax because we're talking about principles of Scripture. Yes. Scriptures that are biblically, principles that are biblically based. But notice that that this give and it shall be given to you, how it follows the non-judging verse. So we can't have one without the other. Verse 37 says, judge not. And so the real principle is verse 38, but with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you again. And so when you think about it, judgment, condemnation, or forgiveness and giving we are given back in the same measure that it is given out. And so when it comes time 
to judge. We want to be very careful about that. When it comes time to condemn, be very, very careful about that. Be careful what vessel you use because that's what's coming home. When it comes to forgiveness, I want to be as forgiving as I possibly can. I want to throw it all on the line. You know why? Because I'm going to need to cash that check one day myself. And I want to make sure that I put enough in the bank that when I need forgiveness, and we all are going to need forgiveness, amen. And so I want to understand that that's the measure that it's coming home to me. And so I want to turn our attention, and we're going to be doing quite a bit of reading here in the Old Testament from the book of Deuteronomy. I'll read several verses, and so I want to take our time and just see what the Lord would open up to us. And of course, these are Old Testament laws, and while they, we don't practice them to the letter today, however, I believe there is a common principle that is still applicable to us. And so I, I'm, I'm going to read these verses I mentioned in the New King James because I just want to get as much clarity as possible. And so this version will be on the screen if you'd like to read along. Deuteronomy 15 and 1. The Bible says at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is the form of release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God. To observe with care all the commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Incredible promises of the Lord. Deuteronomy, now I'm reading on in verse number seven. If there is any among if there is any among you a poor if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within the gates in your land of which the Lord your God has given you, ye shall not harden your heart, here it is, nor shut up your hand from your poor brother, but ye shall open your hand wide to him. And willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become a sin among you. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because... For this thing the Lord your God will bless you and in all your works and in all which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you saying ye shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, to your needy in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, which was the law, six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. When you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine press. 
From what the Lord has blessed you with, ye shall give to him. Ye shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. That was a lot of reading, I understand. And so we're going to back up and we're going to sort of break this down into some more bite-sized pieces. So there are two things that we have to deal with, and there are two things that we must develop. And so I want to first talk about the first thing that we have to deal with is the spirit of selfishness. Amen. The spirit of selfishness. And so before you let yourself off the hook, I just want to help you. That's you. Amen. We're born with a selfish nature. And you know what? The society and our Western culture that we live in today does nothing to curb that. And so we can, we, we can have it our way. And it wasn't just Burger King that told us that. We have it our way and we want it our way. And that is the, that's the world in which we live. And so the Bible says, beware there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, if you see a brother in need, he said, beware that some thought comes in your heart saying the seven year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. He said, this is what you got to be careful of. He may cry out to the Lord against you. <laughs> and when you bring the Lord on, the, on this equation, he said, then it's going to become a sin among you. And so if we put this in a more modern setting, he says, when your brother needs money and you realize that the year of Jubilee now, in the Old Testament, and I'm not trying to shoehorn too much into this, but in the year of Jubilee, there was a release of all debts. And so, no matter what had happened the past seven years in the year of Jubilee, the, the, the playing field was made level, and, and everybody was just set free. And uh, isn't that a pretty neat concept? And the, at, at the end of that, and so the, the scripture says that if you see your brother in need, and you're thinking, you're looking at your calendar and you're thinking, well, I mean, we're right here on the threshold of the year of Jubilee. <laughs> it's right around the corner. The, the scripture says, don't be wicked and withhold from your brother. Don't say, oh, they're going to be all right. He gets paid Friday. <laughs> It'd be all right. See, you already know there's a need. And here's the scary part. You don't want him to cry out unto the Lord against you. Amen. <laughs> I can tell I'm going to have a hard time keeping you seated tonight. We can't say, hey, it's going to be all right. I mean, they're going to get their check on the third. And it's all going to balance. That's not what it's about. Is the Lord put you at an intersection. Amen. And that intersection says we got to break the back of selfishness. Now, I really want to be careful with my, my time, and I want to be careful with your time tonight. But I read a book many, many years ago. And in this book, there was just such an interesting illustration. And, uh, and so I just want to take a couple of minutes and share that. That when, uh, when the West was being settled and people were moving from the East to the West... <clears throat> They were moving where, from where they had no access to large parcels of property and things of that nature. And so 
when they went out to the west where there was just endless acres and uh, you could buy land for nearly nothing. And so it was not uncommon. It was not uncommon at all. So if I could just, um, if I could just draw a picture in your mind, if, if I had a square here tonight that represents, you know, ever how many acres and, and if we just put a T across that and we've got four boxes of acreage here, everybody got that? And, uh, and so it was very common for people to be so happy to have this big track of land that they would build their homes and their, their homestead right in the center of that property. And then all around them, they could boast of how many thousands and thousands of acres they have and how many miles it is around the border of their property. But in time, they begin to realize that they were alone. And there was no reason to get up and really comb your hair, brush your teeth, because it's just us. And, and, and there's no one here. And that all sounds wonderful until your crops begin to fail. And there was a drought or an extremely bitter hard winter. And now you're alone because the next guy that owns the next big parcel of land that he's so boastful and happy to have, he lives in the center of his property as well. And you're miles and miles and miles removed. And then it finally dawned on somebody. You know what we could do? We could all move to the center. And we could all be neighbors. And I'm still going to own just as many acres as I used to own. <laughs> It'll still just be as many miles around the property line as, I've all, as it's always been. But I have somebody to help me. Amen. And I don't be selfish. And if my neighbor's crop fails, then we're going to have some in the barn. And we're going to share that with them. And, and should sickness or peril come along, we're going to be able to have... We're going to be able to have a hand out that we can ex extend to strengthen and help our brother. Can I tell you this tonight? That when you reach out to help somebody else, you're not going to give up what you have because God is in charge of it. and He's going to make sure. And so again, I want to remind you, I'm not just talking about dollars and cents. I'm talking about don't worry about your time. Go ahead and give that time and God will bless your time. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I know for a fact because it has inadvertently been confessed to me. That wasn't a boast. But, but I, I know of people that pray for my wife and I. And they pray, Lord, no matter how much sleep they get tonight, let it be a full night's rest. Amen. So no matter what they had to take away from their calendar or their clock... To, to help somebody else. It may have been a very short night according to the timepiece, but our prayer is let it be a full night's rest. Whatever it was, let it be a full night's rest. You see why? Why? Because God is in control of that and he can take care of us. You go ahead and give liberally of your energy, your time, your effort, your resources, whatever it may have been because God is gonna take care of that. Yes, and so people would ask, why did God create giving? It's not because he needs it. He doesn't need time. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need resources. But God, amen, did not command this in scripture for us to be miserable. God created this in our life so that we could break the back of greed. <laughs> and sometimes you've got to get nasty with greed. You have to confront it. It won't move out of the way on its own. you got, you got to deal with it. You have got to deal with it. So go ahead at that restaurant and reach for that check. 
That's how you break the back of greed. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> we need to simply think about giving in terms of giving. I learned a long time ago, if you want to keep something bad out of your heart, you need to give something away and don't loan it. <laughs> if you gave it away and somebody returned that shovel, glory be to God, hallelujah. <laughs> but if you give them that shovel and they don't return it, hey, I gave it away. Amen. Let's just move on. What do you say? <laughs> the book of Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse number 10 the Bible says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord God will bless you in all your works. Now I want us to look at that real carefully. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved. Don't be grieved when you give it because for this thing, the Bible says, the Lord will bless you in all your works. Amen, that just opened the door. So we are giving here of our time, but the Lord said, don't be grieved because somebody asked you to stay after church and help them complete a project or to come a little bit early or to help in this ministry or that ministry. Don't be, don't be grieved about that because when you release yourself to that, the Bible says the Lord will bless you in all your works. He'll bless you everywhere else. Amen. We live in a very, with a very selfish, greedy heart. We're born with it. I've used this illustration a hundred times, but it's still true. If you don't think that greed is just inhumanity, take one stick of gum, hand it to one child, and tell them to divide that with their friend. At best, that'll be a 60-40 proposition. At best, it may be 70-30. Or it may not happen at all if you turn around and don't watch, oversee what happens. <laughs> because... That's just in our nature. We're going to tilt the table our way. Amen. Help us, Lord. Amen. Several years ago, while teaching a Sunday school, while, uh, while teaching a, a Bible lesson one day, uh, some of you were here may remember this, but I, I was just teaching along just like I'm doing tonight. And I'm, this is not this again. I'm just telling the story. But I just stopped out of the middle of nowhere. And I said, you know, if I had a $100 bill, I would take my wife out to a nice meal today. And the moment I said that, a young man sitting on the front pew here jumped up, reached in his wallet, pulled out a $100 bill and brought it up here to me. And everybody here was going, oh, that's, wow. They just couldn't believe that. Just with that little bit of nudging that he reached in his wallet and got that $100 bill and brought it up here to me. You were shocked, smiling. and Oh, for a moment, he was a hero. You were, he, and, and he was smiling just as big as you were. And the reason he was smiling is because before church, I got with him and gave him that $100 bill. And I told him, I said, now pay attention because I'm just going to be preaching along, teaching along, and I'm just going to stop in the middle of nothing. And I'm going to say, if I had a $100 bill, I'd take my wife out to a meal. And the reason he was grinning is because it wasn't his. <laughs> he, gave, 
he gave that with such ease and he, he enjoyed being the hero in that little moment, to be honest with you. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's how we should be about giving. It wasn't ours. Time, the Lord gave me this day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Effort, energy, whatever we have. And I, I believe that there are some here this evening, including myself, there have been those times of testing when we have done something for, that we felt like the Lord prompted us to do and then struggle with that decision later. Like, wow, I hope that was God. <laughs> I hope that, I mean, I really made a pretty big commitment right there. I hope the Lord was in that. But we never need to, we should never forget that whatever we have, it first belonged to the Lord. He gave us that. I've, I've got to hurry here tonight, but Deuteronomy 15 and 11, the Bible says, for the poor will never cease from the land. So I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother. Amen, your, the poor and the needy in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a, a Hebrew woman is sold to you and serves six years and the seventh year, you, you shall let them go free. And when you send them away free from you, you shall not let them go empty-handed you shall supply him liberally, listen, liberally from your flock and from your wine press. For the Lord has blessed you, so shall you give to him. Supply liberally what the Lord has blessed you. And I will tell you that it takes some experience to develop a generous heart. Can I get a witness? You have to work at that. And sometimes out of the clear blue, selfishness can just elbow its way right back to center stage, right when you thought you had it whipped. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. No, no, no. It takes absolute faith in God that he is the one who owns it anyway and he will bless it. Amen. Luke 6 and 30, the Bible says, give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. And so here's where we... We control our future by what we do in the present. And, and what we do is going to return to us. It's the law of the harvest. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. Now I know that verse is often quoted when somebody messes up and does something wrong. And people square their shoulders. Well, remember the law of the harvest. <laughs> but that, that doesn't work just on one side of the equation. The law of the harvest is whatsoever. You sow the good, it's coming home. It is coming home to you. Amen. So when we develop a generous heart by sowing seeds faithfully and generously, and it includes even seasons when we suffer loss. And, and, and we have to place those situations and we have to place those people in the hands of the Lord. And I don't want to keep looking back for some return. I don't want to keep looking back for some return. I just want to know that I put that there and God's going to take care of it because you don't know how God's going to bless you. You don't necessarily give one hour of your time and all of a sudden you got four hours of spare time. You don't necessarily give $5 and the Lord gives you $10 in return. It doesn't always happen that way. The Lord has blessed. And I've got some illustrations to share with you in, in just a few moments about how God does bless in that fashion. But it doesn't always happen that way. God may bless us in ways that we just have no way of calculating. Amen. Just no way of calculating I remember one time we were uh, we were preaching in a church and I just told my wife, you know, I don't know how everybody handles this, but sometimes about the time I get all my dress clothes like I need them, I need casual clothes. 
Then about the time you got all them, then my work clothes are all wore out. Anybody in the same world that I'm living in? And it just seems like you could just go in these cycles. And I was at that place where I could really just use some, uh, you know, some, some jeans and things of that nature. And, and there was a man that came to me after church and he said, you know, uh, you look, and, and I, you look to be about such and such size. He, he said, what size pants you wear? And I, and I told him, he said, well, I just want to tell you something. He said, I've just got some things I would like to give you. And, and, and uh, the pastor was standing right there and he was nodding his head affirmatively. That's, it's okay. This is, a, this is all right. And that man gave me just stacks and stacks. I'm kidding you not. Stacks and stacks of jeans that, that had just come from the dry cleaners pressed. Creased. <laughs> All right. Threw you straight under the bus, didn't it? But I'm just telling you. Amen. It was the real deal. I was like, wow. I mean, he didn't have to do that. But the Lord just blesses you. And so the second thing we have to do is, is create a grateful heart. The Bible says you shall remember, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing this day. You were a slave. If you remember the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, the Bible says that they said, take the gold and the garments. And so when they come out, they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't look like slaves coming out. I mean, they had everything that they needed, everything they wanted. They came out with a high hand. Praise God. And so I want to underline something that may seem simple, but generous living begins by, by doing what we can. Just doing what we can. And I, I'm really hurrying because I want to make a few more points here. But there is a story in the Gospel of Mark. And, and it's of Jesus feeding the multitude. And, and it tells us that the, that the disciples established how much food there was. They said, well, we have this many fish. We have this many loaves. It was woefully inadequate for the task at hand. But Jesus said this. He said, bring it to me. And the Bible says that he blessed it. And he broke it. And now here's the most incredible part. <laughs> Amen. He did something very significant. He gave it back to the disciples. He gave it back into the hands that brought it to him. Bring it here. Let me have it. He blessed it. He broke it. Put it back in their hands. And under his direction, they passed out to that hungry crowd. Here's what they did. They did what they could this is not a contest. Do, we do what we can. We do what we can. In the hands of the Lord, little can be enough. Little be, can be more than sufficient. Amen. And so we take any of the activities that may fall under the heading of faithful discipleship. There could be many things that God has called us to be faithful in or generous with. Our stewardship giving, obviously that is one thing, but sharing of time and sharing of talents, volunteering to work with some of the church ministries or volunteering to serve in some kind of a visitation ministry. And the list could just go on and on and on. And we could all say, have you seen my schedule? Amen. I mean, there's some retired folks sitting right here tonight that wonder right now how you had time to work. <laughs> right? Time is not just some endless wellspring commodity. Our schedules get crumped, crammed. And, and, but you know what? If we'll just do what God has called us to do, he'll bless us. He'll take care of it in the hands of the Lord. It'll be enough. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if you will. There's a story told of two young boys that came from a large but relatively poor families. 
Sadly, both of these young men knew what it was like to be hungry. And so these two young men were attending a summer camp and at, the, at every meal, the man in charge of these meals over the summer camp always put out a plate of bread and a large can of peanut butter. And so the, the man in charge of these meals did this for, uh, for two reasons. He said, if you don't like the meal or at the end of the meal, if you're still hungry, you can make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a peanut butter sandwich. And so these two young men always, always ate a peanut butter sandwich, even after eating the regular meal. And so one of the workers at the camp had this to say. They said, one of the lessons these two boys taught the rest of us was the importance of passing the bread. They would loudly insist that you only take your share, which was two slices, and you did that before you went to feed yourself. You passed the bread to others so that they could eat. They taught them that lesson, pass the bread. And so was our walk of faith. We share what we have. We place it in the hands of the Lord who transformed us and everything else. And so may God help us to be transformed in his hands. And by doing so, God can and he will multiply our efforts beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to share one final story. Over the last several days, I have been in, uh, in many meetings. <clears throat> and in these meetings, our Florida North American Missions Director, Pastor Anthony Ballestero, he pastors a great church in Clearwater and then in this meeting he shared a story that just unfolded in their church a few weeks ago so for our church family tonight you're aware that in the month of November we made available uh, some envelopes and every envelope had a dollar amount on it and it was certainly a no pressure, just come up and get whatever you feel that you could give or whatever you feel challenging your faith to give. And so, Brother and Sister Ballester were doing the same thing. It was their Christmas for Christ season and, and service. And so, in his testimony, he said, receive an offering. I mean, take one of the envelopes and, and just trust the Lord. And uh, if you use it for nothing else, just make a bookmark out of it. But but receive the offering if you will or the envelope and so they receive their offering just as we did a few services ago and shortly after that he received a text message from a lady in his church and so I asked him today for permission to share this and ask him to send me the text message so from a lady in their church she said we speaking of her and her husband she said, we had prayed and we had talked about our offering. She said, we went back and forth with what we felt impressed to give and what we felt comfortable to give. And so they were trying to decide what to do and then they were up at the church one Saturday afternoon and much like we, we had some remaining envelopes out in the foyer. And so I just envisioned that as he was sharing this story. 
She said, we were up at the church one Saturday afternoon and I walked by the table where these CFC envelopes were laid out. And so she said, I went to grab an envelope that had a comfortable number. <laughs> she said, however, I saw another envelope that had an amount that would stretch us, require faith, and it would have to be a God thing. So she said, I grabbed that envelope, and in faith, I never even said a word to my husband. Amen. This lady is an accountant by trade. And so she said, Monday morning, I opened my work email to find the year-end bonuses to be entered in for all the employee payroll. She said, I quickly scrolled down to my name. Because she said I was confident that it would be prorated down because I had been on partial leave and reduced hours for a good part of that year, 23. She said, however, my bonus was the exact amount of the envelope that I picked up Saturday. Amen. The exact amount. Saturday to Monday. Her husband's name is Rod, and she said both Rod and I, in addition, she said both Rod and I have received early and totally unexpected raises since then that should not have happened until later in 2024. Now, are you ready for this? This is her closing sentence. She said, we calculated the annual total of both of our raises and our raise is 10 times the amount that was on the envelope. That's how the Lord does it. That's how the Lord does it. It's just what the Lord does. We don't give to get. We don't give with getting in mind. But I can tell you not 10 times, but I can tell you that my wife and I had a very similar experience. We felt led of the Lord to give something, a, a, a particular amount in that offering, and the Lord more than doubled that offering just out of the blue in a, an envelope that came in the mail. I promise you, we knew nothing about it randomly. Amen. <laughs> so, yes, it happens in finance, but God will do the same thing with your talent. Give God what you have. Give God what you can. Amen. And he'll bless it. He'll bless your time. He'll bless your abilities. You may think, well, my abilities are so limited. I, I got to wait till I get good at this. No, just give God what you have right now. And he'll bless it. He will touch it. He'll anoint it. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Amen. I would never, ever claim to be an accomplished guitar player. But when my wife and I began in ministry, uh, my wife was called on to play the piano and before we, when we were traveling and preaching around and, and I could just play a little bit on the guitar, just barely knew a few chords. And we were in a church and, and uh, the pastor saw me playing a guitar one day during the day and, and he knew of a lady in the church that had a guitar for sale. And so they bought that guitar and they presented it to me and that was a wonderful thing. But let me tell you, the greatest gift I got that night was not a guitar. 
It was not a high dollar guitar. It, you wouldn't want it. But I wouldn't get rid of it for anything. But he said, I want to present you with this guitar tonight. He said, but I want you to stretch your hands here. And I'm going to pray over your hands that God will anoint your hands. <laughs> well, Nashville has never come calling. But it's gotten us through many times, hasn't it, babe? Amen. It's gotten us through several times because we just yield. I forgot, Sister Babe. Sister Babe. Excuse me, I forgot we're in church. Amen, Sister Babe. <laughs> Amen. But I will tell you tonight that Lord will bless if we'll just put it in his hands. I'm going to share one more thing with you, and we're going to sing a song, and you can do what you want. But we announced our seeds for our Christmas for Christ offering this year was $11,000. $464, which was an increase over the year before 22 by, by over $1,000. And we just rejoice in that and thank the Lord. That's going to help people begin new churches. However, after that service, more people, get, some others gave more. They had, not, they had not had the opportunity, felt prompted to give, and they kept each edging that number up until we just finally rounded the number up to 15000 that we were able to give this year. Amen. Thank you. Thank God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Because of that, because of that, somebody's going to be able to be blessed. Amen. That's not going to stay here in our coffers. That's not going to just stay here among us. It's going to be put in the hands of missionaries that are teaching and preaching the gospel right here in the state of Florida. Amen. Let's magnify him. Can we do it? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.